Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 24 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks for listening today. Today I have a phenomenal interview, great conversation with Adam Weber. Adam is the pastor of Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's a very fast-growing church, lots of people, somewhere over 4,000 people in their church, Um, And Adam is a great guy to talk to. Uh, That'll really come through in the interview. Uh, He also has a new book out that's come out this year that I've had the opportunity to read, and we talk a lot about that book. It's a great book. It's called Talking to God, What to Say When You Don't Know How to Pray. Um, And we'll kind of repeat some of this introduction when we get into talking to him. Um, But yeah, you're going to love that interview uh, that's coming up. Um. Something at the end of the interview as well, I ask him, there's there's a section in the book, and I'll ask him this question, but you'll you'll sort of hear it when we get there, where he talks about my hometown of Winnipeg. Um, and I'm not going to tell you the context uh, that he talks about the my, my hometown, but it's not necessarily in the best light. Uh, but we have a lot of fun just kind of talking about that. And, uh, and I ask him whether he's ever been to Winnipeg. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, we have a good laugh about it at the end. So stick through to the end of the, the interview. And, uh, and that's kind of a fun, fun part of the interview where we talk about, uh, my hometown and, uh, Sioux Falls is not too far from, from Winnipeg, actually, if you know, uh, this part of the world, but yeah, uh, just a great, great conversation. Uh, I also wanted to say a couple of things today. Uh, I've been praying a lot for people who are struggling because of natural disasters that are taking place right now. Uh, In Manitoba, where I'm from, and in Saskatchewan and British Columbia, Alberta as well, a lot of Western Canada, there are, there have been Uh, It's been a terrible year for forest fires, for wildfires, and so many people have had to be evacuated from those northern, the northern parts of those provinces. And um, I've just been praying for that and uh, praying for those people. Uh, And then also with everything that's been going on with flooding in uh, Texas and uh, the hurricane going through the Caribbean and Florida. I mean, those things, are, those places are close to my heart. I know there's lots of other places in the world where there's where there's difficulty and, and where there's natural disasters taking place. Uh, those are close to my heart because I know people, uh, particularly in Florida, I know people in Florida, and uh, my heart really goes out to them. Uh, I've got friends there and, uh, and also our own communities here. So I just wanted to say a word about that because I, I've also just been distressed by seeing certain... Christian commentators saying various things about natural disasters being maybe, you know, God's instrument uh, or God, you know, judging people. And, and I just want to say that that's, that's just way off base. Uh, and that I just can't buy into that at all, that, that, that line of thinking. 
Um, even the line of thinking that'll say, well, maybe God is trying to teach us something or, or, you know, there's got to be meaning in this. And, um, and I, I just can't go there either. I don't think I mentioned this on Sunday yesterday in, in church, cause we were talking about Genesis one and the goodness of creation. And there's this tension, uh, in a way between the goodness of creation and, um, the fact that these kinds of things take place like hurricanes and flooding and, uh, earthquakes and, um, and, and wildfires. Uh, there's this tension that, that, that there's this, there is a wildness to the created world. And, you know, there's debate as well about, you know, is it, is it increased now because of global warming? And, uh, you know, I, I tend to think it, it probably is. Um, and, that, and that I think we need to pay attention to, as Christians, especially how we care for and steward the creation that, that God has placed in our hands. Um, and that we haven't done the best job of that. Um, but at the same time, the, there's always a wildness to the created world. And, and to say that God is directing, you know, the storm and, and yes, we can pray. We can pray for it to be averted. We can pray for... Um, for God to do something, for God to rescue the, the God's people. But at the same time, there's this mystery of we just, we don't really have an explanation for this, uh, for for why the world is the way it is um, with these kinds of disasters that cause great harm. We don't have an explanation. And I think it's better for us as Christians to just say, you know what, we don't know. Um, whether there is meaning, we actually don't know that. And, and at some point we have to make a choice and say, well, we're going to trust in God anyway, and we're going to go to God for help and comfort. Um, and so many people who are people of God are, are helping people out, opening up their homes, um, volunteering. It's not all people who are, who are Christians or following Jesus who are doing that. There's plenty of others who are as well, but there are plenty of Christians, plenty of churches that are out there. In the name of Jesus, that is their motivating factor. You know, Jesus is their motivating reason for caring for the least of these or the people who've been displaced because of these things. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't have the answers. And, and that's part of what I'm trying to say is that I think maybe that's a better Christian response is to say, look, we're in the same boat as everyone else. We don't have answers around these things, um, but we also do have a source to go to for help. We do have something different. Um, we're able to go to, to the God of compassion and caring and cry out to God and say, God, we don't understand God. We just know we need your help and your mercy. Um, so anyway, this isn't really what Adam and I talk. Well, it is maybe connected a bit to what Adam and I talk about, um, because we talk a lot about prayer and we talk a lot about, um, simply just going to God with where you are at. And in times where there's a difficulty, whether it's natural disasters, which are really in the news right now, or whether it's things about racial divide um, or political unrest, which is all going on in our world, um, you know, knowing that you can go to God in prayer and, um, and the prayer doesn't have to be this routine kind of thing. It doesn't have to be um, a prescribed way of praying, it can simply be going to God with your feelings 
um, about it all and your confusion about it all. If you're confused, I know I'm confused a bunch of times. Um, so yeah, I'll, I think I'll leave it there for today and just uh, hope you are encouraged in your walk with God and you're trying your best to follow Jesus by listening to Adam Weber. And I can't recommend his book enough. Uh, it really is a great book. So I hope you like this interview, and I hope you get a chance to go and uh, read what Adam uh, has to say about prayer and about a relationship with God. All right, thanks for listening today. Take care. Today I've got Adam Weber on the podcast, and I'm so thankful to have Adam here. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, I feel the same way, just so thankful and, and just truly humbled. Yeah, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because uh, I've just finished re- reading your book. You have a new book out um, called Talking to God, What to Say When You Don't Know How to Pray. This is an awesome book, and I should let people know, normally I do an intro as well, so I've probably already said it, um, but Adam is a pastor at Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, Um, which I feel like I'm a neighbor to because I'm in Canada. And when you're on the prairies, you know, like a 10-hour drive, that's basically a neighbor. Um, So (laughs) So I'm I'm thrilled to have you on, both because we're neighbors and also um, I I loved your book. I just thought it was fantastic. Well, I'm I'm humbled again by your kind words. I always tell people they'll be shocked it wasn't written by a fourth grader. And so... uh... Well, what the thing I loved about it the most, and I was just saying this just before we kind of went on and, and hit record, um, was that it it really is a book for people who are are maybe don't even know that much about prayer, or maybe not even that much about God. Like somebody could read this, and it's just it's it it's basic, but there's depth to it as well. Like that's what I loved about it is it's it, you can read it and really engage with it and and, and get right into it. Wow, that honestly, that was my heart going into it. There's so many wonderful books on prayer. And mm-hmm. so this is not the end all be all, far from that. But just I hope it's a book for, like you said, um, a brand new Christian or someone who's like, I honestly don't even know if I believe in God for that person, but also for someone who's maybe been following the Lord for years, decades, um, but they've gotten stuck in a rut. Hopefully, my my combination of cheesiness and just candidness will kind of just maybe breathe new life into someone. I had someone actually just recently say, man, I've been a Christian for years, decades, and really hit at this kind of dry spot in my, my walk and read it and was encouraged. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I think, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like me reading it, I kind of felt like, Hey, this is, this is great. And I talk about spirituality and prayer all the time, but I still found that, Hey, this is a good reminder. And it's um, so I think it's great for people who've been Christians for a long time. But I think there's people who are just don't maybe don't know anything about God. They could read this book and really engage with it because you're really honest about your own your own journey as well in the book. Um, so I would even recommend it to people who might be listening. Who a lot of people will have friends who are not believers or and maybe have questions about well, what is prayer, like what is prayer even about or who is God even this is a great book that you could give to somebody too, who who's maybe asked you some questions about that kind of thing. So I'd encourage people to, to take a look at it for that. Wow, man. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Anyway, I got a bunch of questions about the book um, and I do, and some that are really just come out of quotes from it. So I'm going to read some of those, those quotes and maybe just, uh, just dive into some questions that I have about what you've written and hopefully we'll get around to your own personal spiritual practice as well. Um, yeah. So I, 
I, and, and I didn't do page references because I was reading this on a Kindle. So it's really hard to figure out like, where <laughs> this is in the book. Um, but, but you said this, uh, I'll be honest, even as a pastor, there are days, embarrassingly, sometimes weeks when I don't say a word to God. I let the craziness, busyness, and hurriedness of my days take over. And by the end of those days, I can tell that I've lived without God being a part of them. And I feel distant from God. I can't sense his presence, his joy, peace, and goodness begin to vanish from me. Wow. Like when I read that, I thought this is so true. Like this is exactly my experience as a pastor as well. Um, so I'm wondering, why do you think this happens to us? And, and then what can someone do uh, when God's joy begins to vanish, as you said, or, or God's joy, peace, and goodness begins to vanish? Why do you think wow. this happens? And then what can someone do? What, what can we do about it? Yeah, I, I think whether you're a pastor or you're not a pastor, I think it's just so easy to try to live out a day or even a week on our own strength. Um, I honestly warn people that we hire on staff here at the church of just saying, hey, be be really careful and continue to care for your your own relationship with, with God because it's really easy for working at a church to become a death zone spiritually because um, you're constantly pouring out and not spending any time pouring in. Um, and you took you, everything you do spiritually in your walk with God is for somebody else. I mean, you're like, Oh, I'm going to share this on a message. I'm going to share this with a person struggling instead of just for, for ourselves. And again, whether you're a pastor or not, I think it's easy to go throughout a week trying to do things out of your own strength and just, man, I got a busy week. And so God, I'll talk to you on Sunday, maybe. And then we just kind of jump head first into the craziness. Um, what can, what can we do if we find ourselves in that place? Um, a, f- a couple of things. I, I think, uh, when it comes to prayer, one of the things we struggle with as pastors is shame. Um, cause you know, the assumption is if you're a pastor, especially you probably sing Kumbaya around a campfire every night before you go to sleep and you're, you know, in the morning, you're just reciting Bible verses to your kids as they're screaming and all this kind of thing. When truth be told, it's maybe you haven't prayed for a long, long time. And so when we feel shame, what do we do? We do, we pray even less. Exactly. In, instead of more. Because, gosh, I feel like a hypocrite now. I can't approach God. When the truth is, um, the God found in the Bible is a God who just yearns to be with us and to hear from us and for us to listen to Him. And so instead of being covered in shame, realizing the true heart of God, He just wants to to, to be with us. Also, what can what can we do as we... Um, can just in that moment, just whenever we come to that realization, man, I'm doing this on my own, just begin to speak to the Lord. One of my simple prayers that I often pray is just, Lord, I need you. Mm. I just, I just need you. You know, you hit those breaking point moments where you're just like, gosh, whether it's a stressful day, whether it's something with your kids or a friend or your parents' health and you, this reality hits you. It's just like, God, I, I, I just need you. Like, I can try everything I can, but I can't change the circumstance. I can do whatever, but I just, I just need you. And just realizing we need to stay constantly connected to the Lord and, and talking with him. Yeah. And I think, I think realizing our, just our desperation for him. Yeah. I, and I think like we believe that we're really capable people and, and, and the thing is we are like, like we have, we have great gifts and we, you know, uh, we, we have abilities, we're able to do things. And so you're right. It's so easy to just rely on our own strength. Um, and then wonder why, Oh, why do I feel the way I do? Like after, 
after two two weeks of, <laughs> of not connecting with God, um, yeah. and uh, and realizing that really we absolutely need God in our lives. Oh. Um, we need that connection. Yeah, it's it's very very true. Like I, I just love that, that that part of the book. We we um, we this um, a couple weeks ago I, I shared on um, John fifteen I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart mm-hmm. from me you can do nothing. Yeah. And um, I just, that, that picture, I'm such a simple person. It's almost like if you had a lamp and you plugged it in and it worked and all of a sudden you unplugged it and you're like, gosh, this thing was just working. Like I, I'm, I might have to return it. Like, I'm gonna, like maybe like it's a bad lamp, like it was just working. And then you plug it in. It's like, oh my goodness, it's working again. And then you unplugged it. The thing was just giving light. Like I understand, yeah. you know? And it's like, if, if we take um, Jesus words, um, if you remain and stay connected to me, um, I'm just like, gosh, is it, is, could it possibly be that simple where it's just like, man, there, it should be so obvious. The moment that I have no patience in my life should be the moment where it's like, man, well, I, you've seen a plug the light back in the moment that we're restless. Like, well, you've seen a just plug the light in and it doesn't change the circumstances necessarily, but it's like, man, if I just, realizes I, I need to stay connected to Jesus, just like that lamp to the electricity. Like, mm-hmm. again, so simple. And yet we, we often wonder like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Yeah. Like, gosh, Lord, I need to stay connected to you. Yeah. And I, like, I think I got that. I, I, I kind of got that better when I was a teenager, you know, <laughs> going to yeah. youth, com- youth conferences or retreats. And I just, like, I don't know, maybe when you're a teenager, you just feel like, you feel kind of lost anyway. You're trying to, you're trying to figure things out. And so when you, like my experience of Jesus and I grew up in the church, so it wasn't, it wasn't sort of this big conversion experience, but it was just sort of this, I knew I needed something. And so it was easier to go to Jesus and say, yes, I need you and be filled by the Holy spirit. Even if though I didn't quite know that that's what was going on. I didn't have the language to talk about it. Yeah. But but then, I mean, you go to, for me, go to seminary and you learn all this stuff and you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm more equipped now. And even Christians just being in the church, you feel you're getting equipped, you're being fed, you're, you have these abilities, you've got a job and you're doing good at your job. Yeah. And you sort of just forget the need um, and then wonder what's wrong because something's also wrong in the background. And we forget how easy it is to go back to Jesus and just lay ourselves at his feet. Um, and I've kind of been rediscovering that really in the last year, I took a sabbatical and one of the things on sabbatical was just realizing my joy actually doesn't come from accomplishment and it doesn't come even from within me. It's actually coming from outside of me. Like my joy is coming from Christ. So, so I, I pray most days, Holy spirit, come and fill me with your joy Um, because I want to rely on God for that. And, you know, I still have days where I'm sad or still have days when it's not a good day, but I have, I have much better days when I'm praying, when I'm praying that prayer and relying on well, Jesus for it. With that, like, I, I think I, I totally could relate with you. Like just, um, in college, like I, I, joy is probably something that comes naturally to me. Like I just am a joy filled person. Yeah. And in college, I mean, college was like the four of the greatest years of my life, got married, like um, but when I first started the church, it was a hard, hard season I went through and, um, just, man, just life slowly, but surely has a way of taking the joy right out of you. And for the first time in my life, probably the last like seven years, 
I've joy has been something that hasn't come naturally. Just because again, life just kind of beats it out of you. You know, you just go through things. You're like, oh, you know. Um, On like a really specific basis, I shared just a little bit about this. My as a new pastor, I mean, it was just so hard. And my very first funeral I ever I ever performed was a guy I met with seven hours before he took his life. Mm-hmm. And on beside him, his body, he made a note that basically said, um, let Pastor Adam know that I've taken my life so he can do my funeral. And I mean, just like I went through just a dark season through that. Just like, I mean, it just for some reason just rocked my world. Mm-hmm. And so just a combination of things in life just steal the joy where it's like, I'm beginning to realize like joy, I, uh, Lord, I have no joy on my own. And so I need yours. Right. And I, I love John 15 that we were just talking about the vine and branches. And um, in that verse, he actually, Jesus says, and I tell you this, I tell you all of this so that your joy, my, my, my joy would overflow in your life. Yeah. I tell you this so that your joy would be, be complete. I'm like, whoa, you know? know, and that's so true in my life. It's like, gosh, even on my best day, Lord, I just want to be covered and overflow with your joy and your goodness. Yeah. But, yeah. Like I'm tempted to believe that that doesn't, that it doesn't work as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. then I, and then I think, ah, oh, yeah, no, whatever. And then I realize I've had that sort of cynical side going for a few days and I feel like, uh, and I'm getting less and less joyful. Yeah. And then when I do go back to God and I pray and I go, God, I don't even, like, I don't even know how this works. <laughs> Just help me. And then suddenly like the, halfway oh. through that day, I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling great. I wonder why that is. Like, it's because yeah. I went back to Jesus. <laughs> like, it's just so obvious. Um, so wow. anyway, I, I just, I just love yeah. that because I, you know, God says rely on me. And when we do, like, I just feel like, and it's not, I don't want it to sound trite. Like, I don't want it to sound yeah. like this is all a guarantee that you're just going to feel happy then. And, and, and we're not talking about solutions to depression and things like that. Exactly. Um, That's a great word. But I also to say something, so it's very non-trite. My, my dad for the past seven years has had extreme pain. Yeah. I mean, like uh, he went from being very, very healthy and active to most days only gets out of bed, probably a total of two hours a day. Wow. Cause he's in such severe pain. Um, one of the things though, that people will often tell me who know my dad and they'll see me, they'll say, you're, you can just tell your dad is in so much pain and yet his joy is just unbelievable. You know, like everybody keeps t- talking about his joy in the midst of this brutal, seemingly unending pain. Yeah. And so for me, I've often told dad, I'm like, Dad, it's easy to have joy when, when life is wonderful. Your life isn't wonderful. And yet your joy, I mean, it's just been a testimony to me, like to see like that is joy. Yeah. I mean, just he, he'll be the first one to say, like, I'm so thankful for all that God has given me in my life. I'm just so thankful for my life. And I'm like, how can you say that? You know, it's like the opposite of trite. So anyways, yeah. that's good. Well, and I, like, I found this too. And I, I, I think about five years ago, I went to Malawi on a, like a short term. It's kind of a mission trip. It was more like a, a learning experience in a way. Um, and just kind of uh, sort of a cultural exchange. And we did some, some mission work there, but, um, and I, I had always heard like people kind of talking about, Oh, the joy amongst the the poor in third, third world countries. And I was always kind of cynical about that yeah. until I went there 
And I saw it like, and just unbelievable. And we saw people in, in terrible situations and, you know, not everybody was happy all the time, but everywhere we went, you know, even in these terrible circumstances and incredible poverty and like people living in, you know, you know, 10, 10 people living in something the size of the shed in my backyard. Um, and we were welcomed with singing like everywhere we went. And, uh, so just incredible to experience that and realize, Oh, this isn't just missionaries coming back and telling us a story. These people have joy because they're focused on Jesus Christ in their lives. And Malawi is like, it's something like 90% of the country is Christian. Um, and, uh, uh, so, I mean, everywhere you go, people are singing to God's praise just in the streets as as a way of welcoming people. So, I mean, it's pretty and unbelievable uh, country to go and visit, but also one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, so yeah. And I've got some good friends who, uh, who live there now. So, um, but yeah, just, just sort of seeing that, um, that joy firsthand, and I yeah. think like with your dad, it's the same thing. Like you can tell that story. And I wouldn't want people to hear that as, uh, Adam's just telling that story. Like that's personal. You oh. see that firsthand and it's real. Yeah. The, it's real. Important. Yeah. It's a great word. All right. Um, back to the book. We, oh man, we're going to end up running out of time here. I know it. Um, <laughs> instead of being another daily chore, you say something changes when prayer slowly becomes as natural as breathing. When we figure out that it no longer takes energy. Instead, prayer fills us with it, with energy. Uh, prayer fills us with life. Um, so, I mean, this is this is in the book, but how can prayer become as natural as breathing? Or what did you mean by that? Yeah, um, a kind of, kind of a twofold answer. First, kind of realizing what we just got done talking about, like our need of connection with God and our need to stay close to him and be in constant conversation. So I think the first is like just understanding the why, like I really need this and I I really need to be connected with him because he does fill us with life. Um, But getting there, like how does it become as natural as breathing takes discipline? Like just to be honest, Um, at first I would say it takes discipline. So for me, this really began to take place in college for me. Um, up until that point, I was really living two different lives. You know, there was one group of friends who um, would have never talked about God. And, you know, we never would have ever discussed the Lord. And then the other group, it was the reason we gathered was because we had a connection to Jesus. And I was just tired. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so tired of living two different lives. And so I, in my dorm room, was just kind of like my first semester of college. It's like, God, I just want to follow you in all areas. And I knew that prayer was going to be a huge part of that, of just my walk with Christ. It's, you know, it's all throughout the Bible, just the importance of prayer. And so at first I just started really intentional. It's like, okay, anytime that I um, think about God or see something that reminds me of God and someone else or a Bible verse, whatever, I'm just going to take just this quick moment, not even a minute, just to acknowledge God or, you know, waking up, Lord, I just thank you for another day that you've given me. And I just ask you to lead me today. And as I'm eating breakfast, just, you know, Lord, just thanks for this meal. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. And just ask you, just give me your energy through it. And today, I mean, just like super short, very intentional, disciplined. And sometimes I'd, I'd 
not think about it and, you know, give yourself grace and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd have, I'd carry a Bible verse on a note card in my back pocket. Anytime I'd reach in my pocket, Oh man, I'd just take a, a, just a quick moment, not audibly, not weird in front of people, right. but just like just internally, like, Lord, would you just be with me? This person here, would you just help me to show them your kindness today? Just to let them know that they're loved by you. Yeah. And so it started really intentionally after this, this, after you start getting into routine, even for me, exercise, I, I used to exercise for years religiously. I'm actually just trying to get back into it again. Well, after some time, like in college, if I took a day off from exercising, I mean, it, my whole, I was like, this just feels weird because right. I, ex- I exercise. That's what I do. It feels good. My body feels great after I'm done. I just kind of let you know. And slowly when you use discipline, it will become as natural as breathing. Cause it's like, wow, I mean, this is just what I do. You kind of just, you get it into your system and it just becomes, again, it's slowly, but surely. And then you re- re- realize that connection and you see how different your day is when you're guided by the Lord instead of yourself. And it's, it's drastically different. Even as a pastor, you know, I can tell uh, I'm a different person when I'm walking to myself and when I'm walking in with him. And so just different, but yeah, I think it takes discipline at first, just like those simple things. If anything reminds me of the Lord, I'm just going to take a moment just to acknowledge God or Lord, would you just speak to me today? Mm -hmm. Um, Would you just be real to me today? Cause I'm, I'm struggling with sensing you. I I just feel like I'm kind of going through this emotions in this. Would you just make yourself known to me? I had a friend a number of years ago who talked about um, converting thoughts into prayers and I thought that was really helpful because like when we say, Oh, I haven't prayed or I don't have time to pray. It's like, well, try to not think like <laughs> you're, yeah. you're thinking all, all, all the time. You're thinking all day. And, and he said, just start converting those, just realizing that those thoughts you can give, you, you can give those to God. And he said, you know, you might be driving along and suddenly, uh, you know, a friend of yours pops into your head who, you know, has been having a hard time. And you're thinking about them, oh, maybe I should phone them or whatever. Well, maybe you should phone them. That's great. But also pray. <laughs> That's just pray, just pray with that thought. And, um, you know, I, one of the things that I do is, you know, I sometimes walk outside my front door and it's this beautiful day. Like today is just this gorgeous day here in Winnipeg. It's uh, uh, beautiful, sunny skies, blue skies. I walked out outside this morning at the back door and I just looked up at the sky, not a cloud in the sky. I'm just like, wow. Well, that's a prayer. You know, that's, that's a prayer of awe. Just, wow. Like, look at what you have done, God, like, this is amazing or beautiful sunset or, you know, even if you like, I have trouble because I lived in Vancouver with it, with when it rains, like, it's really hard for me to give thanks, but you can still give thanks (laughs) for the rain. Um, But just, just things like that, just realizing that we have sort of built in reactions to things that I think are actually prayers when we really think about them. So true. Like if I could give two pieces of advice on prayer um, and like when it comes to what, to our part of like talking, not the listening side of prayer, but talking um, whatever's inside you put it into words. That's the first part. So whatever you're feeling, whatever you're sensing, just put it into words. And the second part, just direct those words to God. Yeah. And truth be told what you just said, the first part we are great at. I mean, we're actually really, really good with putting words to how we feel. As we're driving, oftentimes we'll say, at least I do, I'm, man, this day is so busy. 
Right. Or, or, or we'll say like my kid, like, I don't know how to parent them. Right. Or I'm, man, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Like I'm just tired. And so we'll say it to ourselves. And when we say it to ourselves, we drive ourselves crazy. I mean, it's just like reminding ourselves of, yep, yep. You still have a busy day and yeah, like yep, your schedule. It actually is slammed. Like, yeah. but, and so instead of just saying it to ourselves, like again, part one, we're awesome at just direct the words to God. Lord, today my schedule is slammed. Would you just give me your patience and peace? Yeah, yeah. Lord, Lord my kids are driving me crazy. I don't know how to dis- discipline them. Would you just give me your wisdom? And yeah. in those moments, would you just help me to like make sure I use my words wisely? Yeah. And so just like you said, I, I think we're actually much better at prayer than we'd ever give yeah. ourselves credit oh, yeah. for. Yeah, um, just, we just, just did, declaring them to God. We just did the Alpha program at our church and... Uh, and there, I think it was on the session on, on prayer, uh, but they interviewed, one of the guys they interviewed that I loved is this Italian priest. He's got this strong Italian accent, and I think he might be a bishop or something like that. And he's just phenomenal. And he just says, you know, just, just offer your feelings to God. Just offer your feelings to God. So you know, a lot of my prayers will be, God, I'm frustrated. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the entire prayer. Love that. And, and he just said, you know, he just says, God, this is, this is how I'm feeling right now. Uh-huh. And he doesn't even give a conclusion to it. He just, <laughs> yeah. just tell God how you're feeling. We're, uh-huh. And you're right. We're great at expressing our feelings through words. Like sometimes it's hard, but I, we're great at it. Yeah. Um, and just giving that to God, I think um, it makes such a huge difference. And in those moments when we can't put our feelings into words, because sometimes I've been there where I can't express myself. Like I'm like, man, I want to say this, but I don't know how. What's, what's so comforting to know is even those feelings of, that we can't get out, um, Psalm 139, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. Yeah. And so those moments where like, I, I'm, I'm grieving in such a way that I can't even put it into words, I just give it all to you. And I'm, or even like uh, sometimes I'll, get, uh, I'll stay underneath us. I'm always just amazed by stars. When you get out into the country and there's no, mm-hmm. there's no lights from cities and you just see yeah. the stars and their magnitude, yeah. there's times when I'm like, God, you are so awesome. I feel like my words are not doing justice to right. your awesomeness. Even in those moments, I find myself sometimes getting frustrated that I can't like put it into words. In those moments, I think there's almost something worshipful about that. Yeah. Like God's like, Man, Adam, you're saying it. You're you're not saying it, but by not saying it, you're actually saying it. Like right. I'm into I'm an indescribable God. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm or what is it is it in Romans? I I'm terrible with remembering the scripture references, so don't, oh, don't feel bad I, out there I, for that. Need <laughs> need um, but it's the, the you know, when even when we do not know what to pray, the spirit intercedes and prays on our behalf yes. with sighs too deep for words. Yeah. Like, it's so true. It's great. It's awesome. Awesome. And speaking, of, I got I to mention Alpha. I'm a huge fan of Alpha. Yeah, yeah, we I've enjoyed actually, it. I've actually never led a group, and I'm feeling convicted as I'm saying that. I went and, vis- <laughs> I went and visited HTV Church um, last summer and was just blown away by Nikki Gumbel and the whole Alpha program. Yeah, yeah, yeah their, new, their new series, like the new videos are really well done. They're so good, yeah. so good. Uh, yeah, I, there's another quote that I'm just going to put out there because I think it's fantastic. It, uh, you said it, it connects us with the one who, tre- you know, talk about prayer. It connects us with the one who treads water for us when we're unable to swim ourselves 
the ultimate plate spinner who helps us discern which plates are actually worth spinning. Uh, I, I, I just wanted to put that in my podcast because I think it's fantastic. <laughs> That's such a great quote. Jeez. I don't have a question about that. I just think it's awesome. <laughs> Gosh. No, that, man, I'm, I'm so grateful for that truth about the Lord. But I think that's what we've been talking about. Yes. But I just love that the one who treads water for us when we're unable to swim for ourselves, you know, and connecting to that one. Um, That is so, so great. Um, But I want to ask you about, I want to ask you about a story um, that you have at the, uh, in in the book, there's, there's a story where you, um, you, you talk about you and your son and you're in, I think Disney World or Disneyland. Yep. Disney World, um, yeah. and uh, and I'm a big fan of Disney World. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're yeah. uh, and you're going on uh, one of the on the the car ride in Tomorrowland. Like, I'm wondering if you might be able to tell that story from the book because I think it's a fantastic story. Yeah, so to, it's called Tomorrowland Speedway. It's just this yeah. racetrack where you get into race cars and you have some freedom. So it's not like uh, you have some freedom to turn left and right because there's a track system underneath you, um, but it's not like a a roller coaster where you have zero freedom to move. So you have the ability to kind of turn left or right, but you're going to go around the track on this track. Right. And so, um, my oldest is excited. He's, uh, gets in with, with my wife and my son, Wilson gets in with, with me and he's just made it height wise to be able to drive, um, with, with an adult in the vehicle. And so we get in there and a little bit about my son, Wilson. Uh, he's our, our Ethiopian in the family. We're grateful for this guy. I love him so much. Um, but he, uh, he has the gift of stubbornness. I mean, he, he, he really, he loves control. I think as every human being does. And so he was just excited. Well, we, it turns green. He pushes the gas pedal and immediately we begin violently going back and forth. He, he would overcorrect, he would overcorrect every second. And so the track was, it, I mean, it was, so we're just ping-ponging back and forth like crazy. And um, immediately without um, – we, I give him like 10 seconds. I mean, like we're not going forward at all. We're pinging back and forth so fast. And I grab the wheel, and I, um, I get it. And usually he would say something like, no, I want to drive. Um, but you could tell he was relieved that I got it and was just kind of like trying to gather him, thought his, his feelings and everything. Cause we had pinged back and forth. And even for me driving, I mean, it was, it was difficult. You really had to stay in line with the track to go. And, um, so we were driving, everything's going well. I'm like, Oh my goodness, this ride's amazing. This is what it's supposed to be like. And we're driving and he says, dad, can I, can I drive? Can I, can I drive? And I said, sure, buddy. Like, absolutely. I said, I'll, 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 I'll let you take the, take the wheel. So we, he grabs the wheel and this time we're going faster because we're actually driving now. And the moment he grabs it again, we begin violent, <laughs> violently swinging back and forth. I mean, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, it's like going back as fast as you possibly could. I'm like, I'm going to die at the greatest place on earth, you know, like possible. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be Jesus today physically at, at Disney world you know? on one of the least threatening rides yeah. as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And so, uh, we're going and he, I mean, violently and out of nowhere. And I, very rarely does he kind of admit like, 
man, I'm struggling and I need help. We're actually kind of working on that, like just encouraging, like it's okay to ask people for help and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, out of nowhere, he just starts yelling, daddy, you drive, you drive, daddy, you drive. I mean, there was no like uh, reservation. I mean, it was full, you drive, you drive, you drive. So I grabbed it and, um, and he, total relief. You could just see, I mean, all over him. And I mean, he knew that he was going to have to get to the place and the, my, his brother was going to say, did you drive? And so he was going to, you know, get him, the embarrassment was coming from his brother, all this kind of stuff. And yet he could care less. I mean, he, and um, so we go around the rest of the track, I mean, driving as you should. And we get done and something I'll never forget. I was like, so what'd you think, buddy? And he's like, dad, that ride was awesome. (laughs) And um, I was like, wow. Because I mean, the parts where he was driving, he would have said they were horrible. I mean, it wasn't fun. And yet at the end, like it was awesome. And for myself, I disconnecting with prayer. I'm, I, when I got done, I'm like, Lord, that is so often me and you Mm -hmm. of me just wanting to drive and me wanting to be in control. And the moment I take control, God is the, the split second we begin recklessly and violently my life is just ping-ponging all over the place and i mean that to the fullest degree for me in my life uh it's not like two weeks later and i start to sense that i'm not walking with god for some reason the moment i let go of control and i i or the moment i take control i should say the moment i take the moment i take control and begin to do things my way my life is just out of control i mean just i'm restless i'm i feel broken I question my worth, my identity. Do other people like me? And do I have a purpose? I mean, and I'm just all over the place. But the moment I just surrender and I'll like allow the Lord to take the wheel, it's like we, even in the worst of stances and, and life still has its trials and valleys. It's not like we follow Jesus and it turns into fairy tales. It's the opposite. Right, right. But the moment I, it's just, I find myself more and more like, just crying out the same prayer that my son did. Just, Dad, you drive. You just take the wheel because I don't know up from down most days. I feel like the older I get, the less I know. I'm just like, I'm so needy for you. And so you just take the wheel. And um, just the adventure that happens when we, when we do. I mean, and just the, the joy-filled life, as we were talking about earlier, that happens when that takes place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it was powerful. It was actually funny. My father-in-law was with on that trip. And he just, I just saw him this past week and he said, I, I read the book and I read this story. And he said, he said, that's why I went with the girls and I took them on the other ride because I knew it was coming your way. <laughs> that's said, great. Really? And he yeah. said, yes. He's like, I knew what you were in for. That's why I went to the other. I'm like, oh my goodness. So that was pretty funny. Yeah. That's great. Uh, that, that section you, uh, and you kind of alluded to this already. Um, but you wrote, the longer I follow Jesus, the more I find myself praying, God, what do you want? What do you think I need? What is your plan? What is your will? The longer I follow Jesus, the more I find myself asking him to take control. And the more he takes control, the more I get to live into this response. That was awesome, Dad. Oh. Uh, so that's really great. Um, and I really loved the focus in in this section about, like, it's really a discernment kind of focus, right? So... Um, you know, praying, 
God, what, what do you want to have happen here? Um, and, uh, and part of it is the letting go, but it's also the listening of, of, so what does that then mean? So I'm, I'm wondering how, how do you do that? And this may be kind of getting into your own, we've talked a bit about your own, like how you pray and, and that kind of thing, but I'm particularly interested in how do you listen when you're praying these kinds of questions, God, what do you want? What do you think I need? What is your plan? What is your will? How do you do that on a regular basis? And what does that look yeah. like? Oh man, that, that quote is seriously the summation of my life. I feel like um, it's really getting to that place where I just, I just think about the amount of time I spend and waste is a better word, worrying and stressing and worrying about what might happen or what might take place or will my agenda get through? Will my plan happen? Man, I can't imagine how much time I'm, I can't imagine this to grieve here for a second, how much sleep I've lost <laughs> over this, you know? And so there's something so freeing that happens when we just begin to pray, God, what do you want? What do you want? And that doesn't, that doesn't mean we have no action in the part of it. That doesn't mean we just sit idly. Um, um, I'm, I'm kind of an, go-getter type person and so i'm constantly okay what's what's next what's next and i think our prayer is just like lord would you just are in control and so the pressure is on you the decision making is on you yeah i'm going to continue to be faithful and um seeking out different things so whether it's a decision at the church should we launch another campus in the city i'm gonna do all the talk with people can we find a campus pastor do we have resources is there a facility so that's just the active part. Like I can do those things, but the, the God factor part is we won't find a campus faster. We won't find a location. We won't find funding. And so that activeness of like looking into things and doing my part and tilling the soil or whatever, doing the, the work, but it's like, God, this is all you. I can't orchestrate this. Yeah. And that there, there's no ounce of my cleverness that can make this come together. And honestly, I, it would be, uh, spare me the heartache of using my cleverness to make something happen that you don't want to take place, you know? <laughs> and so that's, that's, that's like, uh, in my life as a whole, like God, if this is supposed to happen, even when we were actually with Wilson, um, we, we didn't, we couldn't afford adoption. And so, I mean, we, I tried everything to find the resources for adoption mm-hmm. to the point. So I, I mean, I was talking to anybody I could, and finally, it was just like, God, I, I've tried everything I can um, to find these funds. And I don't, we don't have it. My, my wife and I, we make 29000 a year at the time. We, we had no money. And so it was like, okay, God, I don't, I, I, I've done everything I can. Um, and then it ended up coming from the craziest of circumstances. It's like, okay, like I just, I just give this up to you. I give my plan up for you. And so I think that asking and um, as far as when it comes to listening to God, um, Jesus talks about in John 10, that the sheep will know my voice. Basically he talks about us knowing God's voice and how we can understand God's voice. First off is just spending significant time just in God's word. I mean, just what does this voice sound like? What are the things that, um, God says and doesn't say, um, like just coming to, to more in tune of his heart. I'm like, okay, wow. Okay. This is who you are. Like you're, you're a God whose love endures forever and um, you're faithful from one generation to the next. And um, 
I mean, just like Jesus is full of grace and truth. And so like just coming to understand the core character of God teaches us a lot about his voice. And so um, that's where we kind of get more in tune with how, what his voice sounds like and who he is. And um, I just, even my mom, I can, my mom's got a distinct laugh and a distinct voice. I can remember as a kid, if I got lost um, in a store uh, and I would just kind of listen for her voice and I could tell it, I'm like, Oh, mom's in that direction. Okay. Yeah. I know where she's at. I can hear her. And um, the same thing with God is just becoming more in tune with the Lord and when you when you spend more time on the word and you'll just begin to to sense things and there's the things that are hard is when it's not a sin issue it's not like a right option a is sinful and wrong and option b is pleasing to jesus right it might be two options that are like these are both wonderful options i mean should i be this for a living or this for a living i don't think there's a wrong answer and so it's just like god i just i just give this to you and um I'm just going to seek out both options and just, would you just lead me? Would you just, um, just show me these, these times for me, even going into ministry, um, uh, the very, I I filled in for a pastor over a summer. I was a business marketing degree. And within the first week, I just knew I was supposed to be a pastor. What does that mean? I I just, I found myself coming alive in ways that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And just, and just different times. It was just like, Adam, this is what you were created to do. Yeah. Just those nudgings from God. Yeah. I think the other thing too is uh, like, I, I totally agree with you about scripture, spending time in, in scripture. I think that is the first, yeah. uh, first thing. Um, also, I think checking it out with, with community, um, oh. with other people. Right. So Huge. for me, um, you know, going into, uh, I, I switched from sort of a traditional church context, Presbyterian church and, was uh went into church planting planting a new uh presbyterian church and uh my uh you know part of that i got asked by the committee to come and interview for the position and i said no and then kind of six months later they asked again uh, okay well maybe maybe this is like i didn't want to leave my church where i was but uh, okay maybe god's doing something but i have no idea so went to the interview and after the interview just felt complete confirmation. I mean, I was, I was in my car crying <laughs> like this, yeah. this is, Oh my goodness, this is God doing something here. But even then I didn't just go home and say, okay, Cheryl, this is what's happening. Even then had this so- solid confirmation in my spirit from God. This is what God wanted me to do. I went home and I asked my wife, not told. Right? Yes. And then yes. there were a couple of other people that I went to check out with before then going to the elders and saying, I think that this is what God is asking me to do. Um, and uh, so I think that community aspect is really, really important as well. So important. Even, even for myself, years before that, the pastor that led me to Christ. Um, so I, I shared, I went to a conference as a sophomore in high school, um, came back. Uh, it was just, I mean, it was a life-changing experience. And he asked me and a couple others to share on, uh, the next Sunday about the conference to the whole church. So we came up there. I'd never been in front of more than five people in my life. We share. Well, afterwards, he came up to me and he said, Adam, I just want you to know, I think you have a gift. Hmm. And I, I can remember I, I said to him, oh, I don't understand what that means. And he said, I, I, just, I just think you have a gift. 
And then in college, he would ask me, what are you, are you involved in any campus ministries? And I said, no, I'm not. And he's like, you need to get, you need to get plugged in and you need to, to serve Adam. So he was nudging me and speaking into me something I didn't even know. Um, the weirdest thing, my mom had never told me this until that summer when I really felt confirmation. She said, Adam, something on that I've never told you before with your pregnancy, I had issues and the doctor was concerned about your health. And she said, weirdest thing ever. She said, I, one day I prayed God, if, if, if this baby is healthy, I'll try to do everything I can for him to become a minister. <laughs> and I came out of the womb hating church. <laughs> <laughs> so she was probably like, what in the world? But even just those moments of like, uh-huh. just different things. Like and I, when I told my, my pastor, Hey, I'm looking at going to seminary. He's like, I've been wondering when you were going to ask me, like, wow. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I mean, just those community is so important Absolutely. and really having people who are willing to say yes and no to you and yeah. be honest with you. Um, and not just good friends, but good friends who know the Lord Yeah. or just are in tune with his heart and in tune with his voice as well. And can help be that that's yeah, huge community. Sure. So huge. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could talk about this for another hour. Probably. Oh, so, <laughs> so good. Yeah. So good. Um, okay, before before I let you go, I have to ask you, and we, we talked about this a little bit before. Early on in the book, you mentioned my hometown, Winnipeg, okay? <laughs> I said earlier we're neighbors, but in the book, you use Winnipeg as an example of the kind of place the prodigal son might have run to to squander his, his inheritance. So as, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, really? Okay. Um, so I have to ask, have you ever been to Winnipeg? I've been to Winnipeg, but I was, I was so young. I was so young. I, we were actually not too far from it. Uh, just recently, we were up way, way northern Minnesota. So like a little way still from it, obviously. Yeah. But I was actually thinking about that. That is when I saw that question, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. I, I have no way to explain myself. Picking on, picking on my, my hometown. We will gladly accept prodigal sons to come here. It's, it's fine. It's really coming home. People don't realize we're not actually the place to squander. It's coming home. It's That's coming it home. Yeah. You said that you usually use uh, Vegas. Yeah, I usually use Vegas, which seems like a much... I, I, I don't know, but that seems like maybe a more obvious choice for squandering wealth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, yeah. that that is too. That is. I too don't know. Funny. Maybe a bunch of people are going to read your book and and they'll think, "Wow, like Winnipeg is the is the place to go. Like it if you want to have a good time, go. like it like the the, the, the tourists, the tourism board of uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba are going to be thrilled with your book. Like that's yeah. good promotion. <laughs> the one thing that's funny with that, the one thing I thought of that I actually just remembered, uh, you could, I think you can drink in Canada when you're 18. Yeah. Yeah. So oftentimes we'd have, I have friends who would drive up there yeah. to, go, oh, yeah. to go drink. So maybe that was the well, good in, in every, it's kind of the provinces <laughs> alternate. So some provinces it's 19, but like in Ontario. Oh, wow. So there's, there's, there's another big, uh, a big thing for Manitoba. You know, if you're going to, if you want to come to Canada to drink when you're 18, <laughs> there you go. listen to the spirituality for normal people podcast with our guest, Adam Weber telling you where the best places to go to drink like that's (laughs) that's what we're about today oh no that is funny i love that question yeah there you go but if hey if you if you're if you're a hockey fan then then winnipeg is a good place to come so absolutely my wife is a und grad so she went to grand oh yeah 
So yeah. big time hockey as well. Yeah, yeah that's great. Sure. That's great. Well, it has been a pleasure and a lot of fun having you on the podcast today. Um, where can people find you online if they're looking, especially if, if they're looking for the book, where's the best place to go? Yeah, book-wise, you can kind of go anywhere. Um, Amazon, Target.com, Barnes & Noble. Um, I think Amazon's currently the cheapest, so you can go there. Um, to kind of follow or connect with me, you can go to my website, adamweber.com. Um, I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter, so come find me there. I'd be so humbled to hear from you. This has been awesome. I'm sure. so, I seriously am so excited to be on the podcast and just thank you for pouring into people just that will listen to this. It's just exciting to, to think about. Yeah. Well, it's been really fun. Thanks for being part of it. Oh, so grateful. All right. Take care. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.